Finds Balkin. Carlson over to Pustin it. Back to Carlson. Balkin one time or wide. Carlson keeps it alive. Right back over to Balkin. Down low Gensel in front. Bouncing around. Crosby scores! Bears have never trailed in the contest. Led by as many as two a couple of occasions. Here's Harley. Back to Duchesne. Two goals in the game. He waits. Fed in front. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. Saul 75, December the 19th, another wicked day heading into work, minus two only, just uh, beautiful, looking for a high of minus one, and you know what, Thursday, Friday, plus five, got to be kidding, minus one for Christmas Day, that's the extended forecast, do you believe them, six days away, probably not, but that's what they're saying, um, Thanks so much for tuning in on a Oilers game day in New York to take on the Islanders this evening, the first of three on the road in the tri-state area. It's off to Jersey and then the New York Rangers on Thursday, Friday. But three games and four nights as the Oilers tried to get out of a little funk. Uh, Two-game losing streak, uh, both Florida teams at home after what everyone thought was going to be a really solid uh, homestand, a six-game homestand, start with four wins. So kind of maybe leaves a little bad taste in your mouth to lose the last two games, and maybe. I think it does, but uh, the Oilers can't afford to uh, have losses pile up in a row. Uh, just uh, they dug themselves too deep of a hole, come in with a record of 13-14-1. The Islanders, uh, if you're going to bet on something tonight, you could probably, a safe bet is to uh, look at it being a close game. The Islanders have earned at least one point in 14 of the last 16 games. They're 9-2-5. 13 of those games decided by one goal. So probably expect a tight one tonight. The Oilers did uh, defeat the Islanders earlier this year 4-1 in Edmonton. That was Chris Knobloch's debut behind the bench for the Oilers. And since his arrival, the Oilers have gone 10-5 and under Coach K. You heard a couple of uh, um, sound bites in the intro there. Last night's Monday Night Football game. Oh yeah, yeah. What would the of uh, what the the odds? Maybe Duke, you were were you down at CBH, right? Yeah, you were filling in. You guys were doing. You guys did a little swap. You and Connor last Connor Thursday. And I, this yes. was our last appearances of the uh, the regular oh. season here at the CBH. It's a sad so, night. Eh? Oh man, are you kidding me? I uh, I'm gonna miss uh, getting Con- a nice tasty meal a week. Maybe a few <laughs> cold pops to go with it. And seeing um, the fans, dude, there was a, a table of a family oh. of Seahawks fans at the Sherwood Park CBH last night. And so what a what an ending! They stayed for right them. to the very end. They did. Wow. I mean, Drew Locke calls his game-winning drive amazing. Won't do it justice. Well, I think it. You know, okay, let's pump the tires a little bit. But uh, it was an amazing drive in the sense he had 92 yards, about a minute and a half. So. In-game betting is all the rage. What would have the odds been to score a touchdown 
I mean, it would have been pretty tough to to place a bet on on that, I guess. Or? Uh, yeah, the li- the live money line would have yeah. been the the probably the play. But um, if I had to, t- the thing is, the it wouldn't have been that ludicrous because they had time. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, they were out of no, no timeouts. Uh, timeouts. But there was still time on the clock, and they were down at the twenty-nine at the time. So, like, I mean, when the drive started to place that uh, the Seahawks no. money line bet uh, might have been a little steeper. But um, I mean, hey, it was it was just one score with uh, with enough time on the clock to do it. So, so ninety-two yards they went. Uh, the bigger play, not well, not the bigger play, but a big play on the drive was the thirty-four yarder to DK Metcalf, mm-hmm. and it, you know, and then. I, you know, they caught a little bit of a break there where the clock stopped for a few seconds too. That that helped them. And then it was decided that DK Metcalf, Metcalf was not out of bounds. So uh, the clock did stop for a couple of ticks. And then three plays later, uh, is that Drew Locke's best pass of his career, of his life? Uh, as he puts it right in. And you know what? Uh, Jackson Smith, uh, JSN, had, it was close. I mean, he just got, Mm. I mean, and it's a little, little wet, a little cold. He made a fabulous catch. So that that is the that's the best pass of Drew Locke's life. You'd have it? to go back and double check his uh, stint in Denver because he he did play quite a bit of ball while uh, while with the Broncos. Um, not much of it to any success, mm-hmm. uh, if I recall correctly. But uh, I think well, he said in the post game like that's you know topping his uh, career highlight list right now. And uh, between yeah. the moment and the circumstance and all those things put together. Um, a great night for him. I mean, he's uh, he came over in that big Russell Wilson trade, had a mm-hmm. chance to compete for the starting job originally, lost it to Geno Smith, who then got the extension last um, last offseason. Uh, a, a good moment for Drew Lockett. I mean, he's a bit of a polarizing figure. Um, he's uh, had some spunk to him uh, in the past, you know, getting a, you know, a little on the mm-hmm. borderline cocky, confident line, walking it. Uh, but now he's had to settle into a backup role. And if you listen to him post game in a couple of his... Uh, both immediate interview with Lisa Salters and then the podium afterwards. I think you, you can kind of um, it, you'd have to be hard pressed to not be rooting for him at a time like that because uh, he came off quite uh, quite likable in those couple hits. On the other side of the coin, Philadelphia now reeling. The Eagles let another one basically slip away. I mean, the Eagles they just couldn't put the game away. They couldn't take enough time off the clock at the end. Uh, Jalen Hurts looked like he was sick. He looked. He looked, uh, I don't know, he just looked off. I mean, even though he had a decent game running the ball, but he just looked, his energy level looked like it was down. Uh, I would say that. I think that's a fair assessment. And uh, what did Locke say something about this? Hurts didn't go see him after the game. Maybe he was sick or uh, I didn't see anything about uh, that. No, something was but. said about that, but I don't know. Uh, text coming in, one 401 Oh, your buddy, the king of Fort Nasty. Just wants to wish us all good luck. We're all counting on you. Then he sends this thing from airplane, Leslie Nielsen, uh, when he goes into the cockpit. The King was pretty quiet about his Denver Broncos this week, wasn't mm, he? He was. What happened, King? What happened to your Broncos? That's that's a bad, that's a tough one for the yeah, Broncos. You know, on a similar note, though, yeah. Kevin, here this morning, I'm uh, curious to see where all our Eagles fans will be because they oh. were sure loud and uh, present yesterday morning following the Cowboys' defeat on they were. Sunday. You're exactly right. And, uh, and I mean, Connor and I were both uh, hands up, like, uh, you know, we we were wrong. We, we'd we been pounding the Cowboys' drum and the Dak Prescott MVP, and I don't think it's uh, he's out of that race, but, I mean, hey, the Eagles fall 
right back uh, behind the Cowboys mm-hmm. again with this loss. So I think they, uh, they'll they probably be a little quiet this morning as well. You know, we had, uh, well, we talked a lot about the Eagles yesterday morning as well. And one of the guys we talked about was James Bradbury. Well, mm-hmm. he got he got cooked on a couple plays last night, especially the last one on uh, basically a, a single coverage with uh, JSN. Matt Patricia takes over play calling on defense. They talked about that a lot on the broadcast last night. And for the most part, he did. you'd think he did a pretty decent game because, you know, it's, it's 17-13 with a minute and a half left. But once again, Philadelphia, 17 points for that offense. That's not enough. They, they, they have enough. There's enough. When we were talking about it yesterday again, you believe that they're very borderline to being the number one and two receivers in Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown to challenge Miami and uh, Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddell. I mean, yeah, they were, I, they were both quiet last night. I know I know. you said, in, like you said, they only gave up 13 points up until the final whatever minute of the game, but th- their run defense in the second half was porous. I, I mean, it's the secondary that's taken a lot of flack over this recent skid, but uh, Kenneth Walker ran yep. roughshod over this team that's, that's supposed to be their strength is their defensive front um, with all those guys they got up at the up at the top of the defense. So I, I don't know. The Eagles are they're in a bit of world of trouble right now. See if they can get things sorted out. and Because uh, they, they have a favorable schedule down uh, the stretch here. Giants, two, Giants two. and Cards. Like, uh, they should they, be able to win all those games. They should have, but they also in three should have been able to win this game last yeah. night. The line moved to five points once it was announced Jalen Hurts was starting. It was two and a half for uh, leading up to that. But a five-point spread and you lose um, lose hand well handily you lose mm-hmm. by by a possession by so three points yeah no it was uh, not the greatest uh, that's for sure uh, again Oilers uh, in action tonight uh, New York Islanders last night in the NHL Calgary with a big win over Florida three one and again we were talking about it yesterday because we had it in our St Albert Dodge game of the day uh, Jonathan Huberto has four goals this year. But Matthew Kachuk has five goals. That's it. That's all he has for Florida. So this was the big, big trade. Last year, Matthew Kachuk had an outstanding season. He was, you know, he was in the conversation for the Hart Trophy at times last season. But only five goals. Uh, Jacob Markstrom comes back, 33 saves. Heard Kelly Rudy, who's been uh, on the program a couple of times, talk about uh, plays were rung around the in the back or you know behind the net or just on dump ins. Markstrom kind of stayed in his net, didn't really want to go out and play the puck as much as maybe he normally does. So a good catch by I thought Kelly Rudy talking about well he just came back, his fingers probably still a little bit sore, so maybe just uh, uh, be a little cautious, take care of your own business in goal, never worry, never mind worrying about what's going on outside the cage. So uh, Jacob Markstrom had 33 saves, was uh, outstanding. Seattle does get a point, loses in overtime to the Dallas Stars. And here's here's a stat from the Minnesota-Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh defeated Minnesota 4-3. Sidney Crosby, Geno Malkin. It's the 119th game. Can you imagine that? 119 games that they've scored together. And you know what the record is? 104-10-5. That's just an insane mark. So, you know, score. The two of them score, they win. It's that simple. Uh, Montreal needed overtime to beat Winnipeg by a score of 3-2. to two. And uh, the Raptors beat uh, Charlotte 114-99. Uh, to 99. And uh, 
Wasn't it? I, you know, I just kind of caught something on that. There was um, what's uh, Miles Bridges wasn't allowed entry into the country. And yeah, no one really knew why. That was the last I saw of it. Uh, obviously, it wasn't at the top of my priority yeah, list. Me with neither. The, the, the game, the, the the hockey. There was a couple of hockey games on across the the extra TVs at the Brewhouse last night. Plus, obviously, the football game keeping my attention. So I didn't circle back around on it. But as far as I saw, yeah, no explanation as to why he was uh, denied access mm-hmm. into our home and native land. So a uh, bit odd, for Speaking sure. Speaking of travel, Duke, I have. You know when I pull up this day in sports history for you, and and some of them are are back a few years. Uh, yeah, a few years, and maybe not exactly where the Duke is on the same page here. You know, as as me because I'm just an old man here. You know, but this one goes way back, Duke, and this is the best story of sports travel in probably. Oh, I, I, you know, I don't even know. I'd have to compare other sports, but in hockey, there's no question about it. So we're going to touch on that. And it, it, we can even tie it in with uh, A.J. Jakubik, uh, our guest at 720 from TSN 1200 in Ottawa. I'm sure A.J.'s been covering this story that I'm, I've just, it just came to me. First, the first thing that I looked at last night and this morning, and then I did a little more research on it. Just fabulous story on the trials and tribulations of a hockey team going to play for the Stanley Cup. Mm. Does that have, did, you, have I piqued your you, interest? You piqued my interest, Kevin, as you <laughs> always do with these. You do such a good job of uh, teeing them up for me. And I, I was just thinking about how, you know, teams travel now. You know, you've got the beautiful charter. And I, I mean, this is, this is a long time ago. So, I mean, we're not even being uh, fair to compare uh, the times and, and whatnot. But this is a situation where you're going to go, You've got to be kidding me. This really happened? So that's just a little teaser for, hey, we'll get to that in the the 740 hour. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, Coming up at 720, AJ Jakipic, TSN 1200. Big day in Ottawa yesterday as the Senators fired DJ Smith. Jack Martin takes over, I guess, on an interim basis. Why did they do it yesterday? Why didn't they do it a little earlier? Um, boy, what if the franchise is just a, in, a, in a world of hurt uh, with Pierre Dorian released and then all the things that have happened off the ace. New ownership comes in, but it's not exactly been a smooth, smooth transition. So AJ will be with us uh, in about five, six minutes. Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli from Rogers Sportsnet and the Daily Faceoff as we go double barrels for our hockey insiders at the 8 o'clock hour. 9 o'clock, Grant Fuhrer will join us as he does every Tuesday for uh, his little co-hosting duties here on Sports 1440. And how about this get today? Chris Pronger. Hockey Hall of Fame defenseman, former Oiler, one of the best defensemen uh, to ever suit up for the Oilers, albeit just one year, uh, led the Oilers in the playoffs that year to one win away from the Stanley Cup in 2006. So Chris Pronger will guess with us at 920. Looking for, and he's he's been working out. I don't know if you've seen any pictures of Prongs, Duke, have you? He's been uh, working out. Just him and his uh, commercials with Leon and uh, Mitch. Leon. Look, looking pretty good in there. He's got the whiskey going. He's got a new whiskey out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, he's well, I think that when he saw that commercial, I think he wanted to get in a little better shape. Like, he saw um, that and was like, this isn't me at my best. That's what I'm thinking. Well, he still looked pretty good to me. Well, he just did this thing. It's some sort of a, a 75-day workout thing. Oh, wow. So I'm betting he did it after the commercial, right, because they would have shot that in the summertime. 
And uh, so he's been working out and posting some photos on the <laughs> some, inner some thirst traps <laughs> yes on the interweb uh hoping to get zeke thurston uh from uh just had a remarkable uh, performance at the uh, national finals rodeo in uh, vegas and then stefan rosner uh the hockey news covers the islanders and that'll be our uh st albert dodge game of the day was we sort of put some bookends on the oilers and islanders when we come back aj jackovic tsn 1200 in ottawa will guess with us on the kevin carey show on sports 1440 stay with us all right, welcome back to the big program. The Ottawa Senators are in Arizona tonight to take on the Coyotes. Ottawa 11 and 15 coming in. Arizona still just hanging in there, 15, 13, and 2. But, of course, the big news yesterday was the firing of Senators head coach DJ Smith. The Sens did name Jacques Martin interim coach, uh, they made the announcement a day after Ottawa lost its fourth game in a row, uh, 6-3 to Vegas on Sunday night. So, boy, you, you lose uh, your GM, you fire your GM, you have an ownership change, you bring in a guy from here, Steve Steos, to basically oversee the franchise. You've got a new owner in Ann Lauer, um, and the Senators, they just haven't been able to find their way. Look at last season. They missed the playoffs for the fourth straight season under Smith. So uh, they're currently 12 points behind the Washington Capitals for the final wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference uh, record. And you, you've heard, you heard all the fans at Canadian Tire Center shouting out, fire DJ, fire DJ. Uh, went on for, well, went on for a long time. And then Captain Brady Kachuk said, enough's enough, stop with the chanting. Uh, that probably wasn't well received in the nation's capital. But yeah, Smith basically follows GM, f- former GM Pierre Dorian out the door after the latter parted ways uh, with the organization back in November, like early November. So the last two months have, you know, have been really a tough time for the Ottawa Senators, uh, they, you know, Steos brought in Martin to be sort of an advisor. Now he's the interim coach. Then they brought in uh, Daniel Alfredson uh, and and Matt Nickel in the last couple of months. Uh, it didn't matter. It's the, the the Sens have lost eleven of eighteen since uh, Dorian left the organization. And uh, Smith, he was hired in May of 2019. So the four years that he was there, went with a record of 121, 154, and 32. They were in in total. They were in total rebuild mode. Um, but because of the signings, and they all put this the core group together with Brady Kachuk, and they've got all these guys that they wanted to sign long-term, and they have. They have put together... Everybody to, you know, that their main core, their main four, five, six players to probably team-friendly contracts when you look at it down the road. And that includes Tim Stutzler, Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris. You can add a couple of defensemen in there, you know. They've added Artem Zub for a long term. But they need to get guys back like Thomas Shabbat, who's long-term, been on LTR, so they could use some guys like that. How are we making out with A.J. Jakubik, Duke? Uh, still working on Ooh, it. Old A.J., little snooze fest out in the nation's capital. Yeah, I don't know what that story is. Well, it's 924 there, isn't it? 
That it is indeed in in Ottawa, but uh, does he travel with the the team doing um, the well, radio I d- call? Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, I'm I not, don't know either. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I uh, I I always uh, make sure when we're uh, we're lining these guys up, uh, I specify time zone, mm-hmm. and for his sake, I referenced ET on the assumption. So he you would said be nine nine twenty ET. ET. So I guess we'll. Uh, I just sent him a text to. To see if I can rouse him, uh, if he is in fact still snoozing, maybe. <laughs> but uh, but otherwise, we'll uh, we'll see if we can maybe uh, catch him in the next break or uh, maybe later in the show sure. if he's if he's not available right now. But text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Stair Farmer with his daily uh, roll call. Good morning, boys. Have a great show. Also, if you had a text, what do you think the Oilers are going to do on this road trip? What will their record be on this three game road trip? One one and one, two and one. One and two, one zero and two. Got a feeling there could be some tighter games going to overtime. Um, well, you know what? What we can let's let's shuffle the deck if we can get AJ at seven forty. Maybe that's the 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 plan here. So we're gonna just even change things up for you, Duke. And I'm gonna go right now because we're we're talking Ottawa, and that's what this sort of has to do. So on this day. In sports history, December the 19th, in 1904, Duke, the Dawson City hockey team begins a nine-day walk to get to see, uh, get to a boat to get to Seattle, then to catch a train to Ottawa to play for the Stanley Cup, which would be in 1905. So I guess that would be a tougher trip, would you not think? Most of the teams set out today in 1904. There were some guys that left last night uh, on the 18th, and some guys didn't make the trip at all. They were waiting for a few things to wrap up in Dawson City. But all it was was a 6,900-kilometer trip to go play for the Stanley Cup. Now, in, unless, in, in case you're unaware, back then, that's, that's how it worked, was you challenged for the cup. The Ottawa Silver 7 had the cup. Some team out west said, we want to challenge for the cup. So you would get everything together, probably on Morse code, who knows. And they say, we're going to come and play for the cup. So these guys left from Dawson City, Yukon. They got to Whitehorse. The first leg was to Whitehorse, 330 kilometers. Or sorry, 330 miles. Through the wilderness on bicycle foot and by sled. Despite cold, frostbite, they made pretty good time, Duke. Covered 46 miles on the first day. But it took them nine days to get to Whitehorse. They sheltered at night in cabins. Now this is all to go play for the Stanley Cup. I'm, I'm assuming... They probably have a practice outside on some river, some lake, you know, they clear some, some snow some, off. Yeah, just some pond they come across and their travels are like, all right, boys, we'll stop here and uh, get some reps in. Yeah, well, you know, let's get do some two-on-ones, some three-on-ones here. So they sheltered in cabins owned by the Northwest Mounted Police from Whitehorse. Then they caught a train to Skagway, Alaska. Now, here's where it gets even worse. They were delayed two days by snowstorms in the White Pass. Missed the boat and had to wait two more or three more days to catch a steamer to Seattle. Now, you're, you're even in Seattle. Then they had to backpack to Vancouver, where they boarded a Canadian Pacific train for Ottawa. 
They arrived in Ottawa January 11th. So that would be three weeks of travel. And finally, they got to Ottawa two days before they played the Ottawa Silver Salmon. What do you think the scores were in the games? Just ballpark. Was this uh, before the uh, le- or the rule allowing the forward pass? Don't know that. I'd have to do even a little more research. Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe some some zero zero ties, uh, one nothing, couple nothing mixed in there. Final score in game one. It was the best of three they played. It was nine two for Ottawa. Oh, okay. Now you would imagine maybe these guys are a little tired. Do you think? <laughs> Understandably so. <laughs> So they made some changes to the lineups. And these guys, I guess, were called the Nuggets, which is fair because of the Klondike and, you know, the Gold Rush, et cetera, et cetera. But second game, 23-2. Frank McGee scored 14 times. It's a Stanley Cup record. I'm proud of myself to find this today. I just thought it was the best thing. When I don't, when you, I don't find your. I, I, I look at you and you're going, oh, give me a break. When you had, uh, when you teed it up uh, yeah. in the opening there, I had a, I had a sneaking suspicion because I'm familiar with this story, not quite okay. to the the length of details that you've dug up for us here this morning, but um, familiar all the same. And so when you talked about, you know, you brought it up when we were talking about Ottawa, um, this day in history mm-hmm. and travel ordeal. I had a sneaking suspicion this would be the uh, the story, but you've certainly enlightened me on a lot of the uh, the finer points of it. And what did you say? Nine days from uh, uh, the well, start to Whitehorse. Nine days from the start to Whitehorse, and then th- uh, three weeks total from leaving Dawson City to get to Ottawa. Yeah, three that's, weeks. That's insane. It's you know, uh, and then I didn't know this, and I'm just seeing this for the first time in 1997. A Dawson. City team took on the Ottawa Senators alumni team in a reenactment. I don't recall this. this oh, a, rein- a reenactment. A reenactment of the 1905 game. Huh. This is a, this a, it's a good article I found here. So, um, <laughs> Good morning, KK. Oilers will go 2-0-1. Thanks, Gordon. Northside Norm says, thinking one and two for the road trip, hoping for three of three and zero, oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is a good one, eh? From Brad, if I played a drinking game called Drink Every Time Kevin referenced sports from at least forty years ago, I'd never get to work sober. <laughs> yeah, Brad, I like that one, Brad. Thanks, Brad, buddy. Uh, Brad, a longtime critic of your yeah. uh, your dive into sports history or guests that uh, aren't current NHL players. Or oh, he, he went. Yeah, this uh, this is Brad who who yeah. complained about the guys we'd have on with Fierzy and talk about the old days. <laughs> well, fear not, Brad. Today we got uh, we got somebody, Chris Pronger. I mean, hey, maybe even that's a little too uh, die, die, yeah. pull from the past for Brad's liking. Brad, is Chris Pronger is it too too old for you? Is Chris Pronger's career not relevant enough in our sphere of time? Uh, that's coming up at uh, nine twenty. By the way, we'll have Grant Fear. Hockey Hall of Famer, uh, co-hosting from 9 to 11. Uh, Going to be interesting to get Fierzy's thoughts on what happened Saturday night because that was the last game that uh, the Bakersfield Condors played, but they played the team that Grant Fear does color commentary for it, Coachella Valley Firebirds, and Jack Campbell played goal. Brad goes, yay prong. So I'm, I wonder what the cutoff. I guess it's 40 years. 
I, I guess so. Wow. I, I, sorry, Brad. I think this is an interesting story of hockey heritage, hockey history in our country. If you had a team that went 7,000 kilometers over the course of three weeks and, well, let's just be honest, the last cross-country train ride, that's easy for them. But to get from where they were to get even to Vancouver to Seattle, or Seattle to Vancouver, amazing. So that's our history lesson for the day, Duke. There we go. I'm smarter. I always say, Kev, uh, there's not a day that goes by where I don't leave the studio smarter than when I walked into it. (laughs) And you've uh, you've crossed that threshold by 7.30 in the morning this time. So uh, job well done to you. Oh, wow. (laughs) Now Brad's feeling not bad. Brad goes, don't get me wrong. I love you, Kev. And that was a pretty cool story. There, there well, he, I love you too, Brad. Very, Merry Christmas, big guy. Very cool, Kevin. Yeah. Very cool. No, Brad, you know, we have, a, we have a special bond, you and I. And again, I think anytime you can expand your horizons, look at something that happened a long time ago. This is a unique situation. It's exciting. It's something that is, uh, again, part of our Canadian fabric. Just how hardy... Uh, you know, teams were, people were, men were, women were back, you know, a hundred and some years ago for them just to go through this for the chance to get absolutely pasted, you know. Yeah. Now, now guys play one losing season for a college football team and they're into the transfer portal. <laughs> <laughs> Look at USC, man. They're, they yeah, what's, be, uh, what, what? everybody's uh, getting out of uh, SoCal right Will now. Will they be able to salvage a roster for next year with- oh yeah they're they're still a big enough program yeah. in between recruitment and stuff but the issue it's just like i think uh some oklahoma fans are probably a very smugly sitting there after lincoln riley left mm-hmm. them in the dust and now and a couple oklahoma big recruits followed him into california yeah. but a couple of those guys are now moving on whether it be into the draft or back into the portal it's a i mean hey you you can't sugarcoat it. this past season for usc was not pretty when you had a defending Heisman Trophy winner, the consensus number one pick in the draft, a guy many people consider a top tier coach in the country. Mm-hmm. The results were not there. We're not there. Not even close. No. So, I mean, where does a where does a team? Because again, as you said, big school, one of the top recruiting schools. Every a lot of players want to go there. You're playing in Southern California. You've got the lifestyle. Uh, you've got the campus. Are they in a position where they will have a lot of, you know, recruits, kids come to them and go, I want to come here? And then what's on the reverse side? What about saying, yeah, but we want you here. For, we don't want you using the portal in down the road here. That That's the that's the that's the reality of college sports that we're living in right now, where players do have this flexibility. It is not rigid. It is not um, fixed like it used to be, where if you wanted to transfer, you to sit a full year out. And all, it was way more complicated and often not worth it to transfer. Um, but now players are willing to go to smaller schools just to get opportunity because they've seen guys come out of smaller programs and go on to be drafted highly, uh, have success at the NFL level. It's about, I guess, believing in yourself and you know it might be a old an old man take and and kind of a, a curmudgeon type idea, but I do think that there should be some sort of if they're going to be able to make money through the NIL, there should be some sort of contract in place that either a obligates them to play in bowl games, um, the transfer portal being should be after mm-hmm. bowl season, uh, and then like if you're signing an NIL, it requires you to like it has a term on it, like one season, two season, with the only opt out being. 
the NFL draft, not the transfer portal. So I think there needs to be a little more structure in place to kind of try and get college football um, more consistent, I guess, on a year-to-year basis because we you don't see guys spend all three or four years at the same school anymore. Yeah. The legacy of these programs is kind of like falling by the wayside a little bit. It's it's more of just one and done. And we saw it in college basketball even uh, prior to this. So. And you could just simply say that's what money has done to college football. And like I, I believe the players deserve to be compensated. Do do not yeah. be mistaken. Like they they are, the schools are profiting millions, tens of millions, hundred million dollars off these players. But there also has to be structure to that compensation, mm-hmm. and not just here's so here's a truck full of money. Come for a season now. Do what you want. There there needs to be a little bit more uh, consistency and structure to the format uh, to to allow it to have more success moving forward. And as they uh, continue to grow the uh, grow the NIL program and uh, and get these players fairly compensated. All right, we're going to try to hook up with AJ Jakubic once again during the uh, commercial break. Talk a little bit about the um, Ottawa Senators, not the Ottawa Silver Seven, but how about the Ottawa Senators? Uh, Brad comes back and says, "Merry Christmas, fellas." Uh, Excellent, Brad. Just super to be in the Christmas spirit. LB text in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. KK one one and one on the Oilers road trip. Merry Christmas. Same to you, Yorkton Lorne. Uh, thanks for texting in. So we'll uh, try to check in with AJ in uh, Ottawa. Hopefully we get him for uh, the seven forty segment. Uh, still tons more to come on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty. Stay with us. All right, 7.40 break, which means it's Brian Adams time. No Christmas carol, though, by Brian Adams. No Christmas song, Duke. What's up? Well, uh, we'll make up for it later in the show. Oh, really? You got more, have... more Christmas song. But is it going to be a double uh, Brian Adams? Or... No, oh, no. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll save uh, some more BA Christmas music for the rest of the week. I can't resist, Duke. I have to just... I, I found another article during the break of our good friends from Dawson City with a little more detail, and you're going to like this one here. Uh, so this Frank McGee scored the 14 goals. It's a record still stands today. Eight of those goals were scored consecutively in nine minutes in the second half. They played halves, apparently. Uh, but McGee, uh, he played also for the Ottawa Rough Riders, so he played football as well. He only had one eye lost one of his eyes in 1900 to a high stick. So he only had one eye. Now, this is where it even gets better. The evening after the Game 2 blowout, they had a party, and they started passing around the Stanley Cup, and I would imagine they got pretty loaded. Could you imagine those guys? Like, I mean, these guys, after walking, whatever, 330 miles, and then taking the train and the boats and everything, uh... The Stanley Cup was later drop-kicked into the frozen Rideau Canal. And I think some people might remember that story. Now, the other part of this was when we talked about that, the alumni game in 1997, a reenactment of the 1905 game. The Dawson team traveled by dog sled and snowmobile, just like the predecessors, but they lost 18-0. These guys lost 18-0 to the, to the uh, Ottawa Silver 7 alumni team, I guess. But proceeds... Of this charity event, we're split between uh, the Ottawa Heart Institute, UConn Special Olympics, and UConn Minor Hockey. So that's what counts. That's what counts. Uh, Oilers in action tonight in New York against the Islanders. Um, and I don't think we're going to get A.J. Jakubic. It just It's not happening. You got, when you get that feeling, you know, and someone's like, 
I should phone. I should. I got Zane's numbers. That, you know, I saw, I saw oh, Zane yeah. a little while back. Maybe give Zane a call. Give him a little, uh, yeah. little scolding. We'll get Zane on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, you know, you get that feeling, right, Duke? That you're. It's just not happening. Yeah, it's uh, after a couple, a uh, couple calls that just ring through to voicemail, a text message or two that uh, do not yet yield a reply. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, it, it happens. Oh, uh, yeah, life gets in yeah. the way, so we'll yep. uh, we'll catch up with AJ another time. But uh, yeah, no, uh, no worries. But we, we, did, we roll on nonetheless. Yes, we roll on, Todd. Just like uh, uh, the Oilers will try to roll on tonight. Uh, did you know the Oilers lead the NHL this season in cycle chances per game and rebound chances per game? The Oilers are uh, 14 for 35 on the power play over their last 11 games. That's a 40% clip. And uh, 33 for 36 on the penalty kill. That's a 91.7% clip. And the Oilers have four players with 30 points this season. Bouchard, Dreisaitl, Hyman, and of course, McDavid, who has 28 points, uh, seven goals, 21 assists during his 12-game point streak. It's the eighth career point streak of at least 12 games, tied for the fifth most in NHL history. Bo Horvat is going pretty strong for the Islanders. Uh, point in 10 straight, four goals, six assists, his longest career point streak, third longest active. Uh, unfortunately, Evan Bouchard uh, didn't record a point against Florida on Saturday. That snapped his 13-game Point streak uh, was the longest point streak by a defenseman this season. Uh, Bouchard tied with the Islanders blue liner Noah Dobson for third in points among defensemen this season with 32. So I think Duke, did we ask this to David Schlemko? Who would you like? Would you like Noah Dobson or would you rather have Evan Bouchard? I think it's. I think Schlemko said he would rather have Dobson. They're drafted, uh, I think, two apart. If I'm correct that on that. sounds right off the top of my head. Yeah. I think you're in the right right ballpark. Two anyway. spots apart, maybe three, but same amount of points. Maybe Dobson is a little more polished right now defensively. Who would you rather have? I think a lot of people would probably, I, I think it's, it's maybe like a 60-40. I don't know. I, I think at first inclination, people that maybe don't watch the Islanders a ton and just hear the name value of uh, of Noah Dobson might jump to that side of, of the equation. But keep in mind, there's a lot of teams out there that don't maybe watch the Oilers on a night-to-night mm-hmm. basis and just hear the name value and see the numbers of Evan Bouchard and would jump to his side of, of the foray. So uh, I think it's closer than maybe a first, uh, first glance might say. I think I do still lean Dobson just because of the games I have watched. He does seem, like you said, a little... A little more confident defensively and a little more uh, astute in that department of play, but he's still an offensive guy. Like that's his bread and butter, just like Bouchard. And he can't. He he's good offensively, and yes, the points are there. But in terms of working a power play and and playing with these collection of incredibly high highly skilled players on the top unit of the Oilers power play, I think Bouchard has the edge in that regard. So it is close. Um, but I, I personally mm-hmm. would still say Dobson. I like him as a skater more, um, which usually allows you to be a better defender. So um, and he takes on more responsibility in the Islanders lineup than than Bouchard does with the Oilers. So he, he's where yeah. my vote is cast. But I do think it's close. And if you look at how Bouchard has come on defensively, and minus the you know egregious errors, I guess that you could say in the last several weeks we saw so many of them at the start of the year where it just he looked lost defensively but 
that has kind of changed, I think, and that's I think our listeners would agree with that. That Bouchard has come on a long way. He's come a long way in the last couple of weeks defensively. The only thing that I can really almost think of, like as far as uh, a really hard, hard maybe a missed assignment or a a, a misread, an awareness play, was the game against Chicago when Connor Bedard got behind behind Bouchard and had that goal. But, I mean, again, that's a world-class snipe. Yeah. So I think you kind of almost got to tip your hat to a guy that makes a play like that. And even, I mean, I mean, Matthias Ekholm is, he's right there to make a play, to make a stop, to impede Connor Bedard. But, I mean, you got to sometimes, again, you just got to uh, tip your hat. Uh, we were going to have AJ Jakubic on, but just to kind of revisit what's going on in Ottawa, you know, Jacques Martin, he's seventy-one years old. He is the, the he's got the longest run of any coach in Ottawa history. He was with the Senators for basically nine or ten years through the mid nineties into two thousand four. He led Ottawa to eight straight. Uh, playoff appearances and uh, had a pretty decent record. He won the Jack Adams trophy, won the Jack Adams in 1999. Uh, and he led the Senators to game seven of the Eastern Conference final in 02 and 03. So he has a tenure in Ottawa. He's familiar with obviously the city, the franchise, although with new ownership and New management and Steve Steos, Michael Angular, there is the the sense that this is a different, a totally different beast than what Jacques Martin was involved in there uh, several years ago. But he also coached around the league, many other teams in, in St. Louis, Florida, Montreal Canadiens. Was an assistant with Pittsburgh for a couple of years. Won Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh on uh, the back-to-backs as an assistant coach. So how long does a guy like that want to hang around? Like, I mean, I assume this is just an interim. So the big name that is being bandied about, and we'll talk to Frank Saravalli about this and Mark Spector, 8 o'clock and 8.20, is Jay Woodcroft. So Jay Woodcroft, I assume, is just uh, sitting out at the cottage in Ontario right now, watching hockey, probably about seven games a night with about... Uh, maybe more that he watches on a tape delay in the next day or whatever, because that's what Jay does. Does his name get bandied about? Never know. Uh, Dobson, uh, Brendan uh, texts in uh, about Noah Dobson. He's playing 25 minutes a night. Yeah, it's probably about, what, three more minutes than what, two and a half more minutes than what... uh, Evan Bouchard is averaging uh, per night. Um, I'm going to check exactly what he is averaging per night. Evan Bouchard is averaging right now for the Edmonton Oilers. Basically, while well, he played 24-38 against Florida. I mean, he's he's right in there. He's the 20, 22 to 23 minutes a night. So, but again, his... He's got eight goals, 24 assists, 32 points, same same as Dobson. Tenth uh, overall pick by the Oilers in 2018. Lots of runway left on Evan Bouchard. Uh, all right, when we come back, we've got uh, Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli, uh, top of the hour, 
Spectre for Rogers Sportsnet and on the mark for Booster Juice, Frank Saravalli, the daily face-off and our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter. Looking forward to the 9 o'clock hour big time. We will have Grant Fuhr, our co-host from 9 to 11, Chris Pronger. We'll check in at 9.20 to discuss many things. Man, he I mean, the commercial that he did with Leon, he's got Leon and Mitch Marner, the uh, other commercials that he's done with MGM, He's on this fitness kick right now. He's got a a new whiskey uh, going journey. It's called Journey 44 with uh, his brother. Um, I mean, he's got a lot of things going on right now. Uh, uh, Stefan Rosner will be with us at 1040. That'll be our uh, St. Albert Dodge game of the day as we preview the Oilers and Islanders at 1040. So, top of the hour, it will be Mark Spector for Rogers Sportsnet. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. You can watch NFL football at First Round Monday, Thursdays, and Sundays, and you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.